When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, James, that was uh, that was something. That was some kind of game. That's my yeah, intro. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's all you've got for me. What was yeah. it like in the building? What was the atmosphere like? So, I think at the start of the game, I would describe the atmosphere as kind of in line with the team. It looked tentative, a little bit nervous. Like you could understand, you're a fan. Like they're coming off this this bad loss. You're worried that oh man, this is happening again. And then on the ice, that's what happens. Tampa scores twice. The Leafs look kind of like lost, not good, whatever you want to describe it. And you're like, oh my God. And you and I were talking obviously throughout the game and we're just like, this This is happening again. Like this is happening again. So the atmosphere at that point was not great. And then I'm trying to, I'm looking through my notes actually to find out if I noted anything when it started to change. I mean, I guess it really did start to change early in that second period, Campbell made a really good stop on Kucherov. Um, I guess not a really good, like a good stop. It was that that backhand when he went one-on-one with Morgan Riley. And then obviously they score on that power play and it started rocking. Yeah, they needed that bounce on the power play. And that's when, even that power play, they were tentative and there, there were some flubbed Pucks yes. or some shots that they passed up on, and it's like I don't know if they're going to figure this out. Then you get that deflection off of whether it went off of I think it was Sergachev or Tavares. It I, it doesn't. Keefe's I think said it after it didn't really matter. Like you know they credited Tavares. He was the guy that was kind of under a lot of heat. There were people in the city that were writing columns saying that you know Tavares isn't delivering on his contract and all that kind of stuff. And then you know it's the the team. The team delivered in the moment when it needed to. Well, and obviously, I to me, like the big takeaway of the game was that their stars delivered when they needed to. And this was kind of the thing that's been dogging this team and dogging those guys in particular. It was like when the moment was biggest, they they didn't come through. And like that's that's really what playoffs are about. Like you need your best players to be your best players, especially with the way the Leafs are structured with ha- with those four guys making basically half the cap. And so like Tavares, like we can start with Tavares. Obviously that goal, you know, just goes off his foot, but that play he makes to set up Riley, um, that's an, that's a, like an all-star play. Like that's, he, he like has Sergachek or Eric Chernak kind of spinning around. He, he's drawing all these lightning players to him. And well, then the he pass f- was really the pass. The pass is yeah. the thing. Yeah. Yeah. He like he needed that, James. Like I don't I was trying to think back and it was late at night. I don't think he's had a bigger playoff moment than that with the Leafs. Do you? No, I think that's I'm trying to remember like his first series against like Boston. And no, I I don't I don't think so. Especially like it just the moment that they were in. Like they needed that goal. 
what was it, three minutes into the third period, I think, and they're down by one. And they, and then they just, they were just coming in waves, you know, from that point on. You know, if you looked at, I, I had this on this stat on, on social media during the game. First period, the Lightning had almost 80% of the expected goals. Uh, second period, the Leafs were, I think it was 65, 66%. And then the third period was all Leafs again, just in terms of controlling play. Well, and we haven't seen that I, I like I guess you you'd say game 1 but I don't even know if game 1 was like that where they were controlling play as much as they were like I I really think the catalyst for it obviously those goals were important the 4 and 4 goals they scored two 4 and 4 goals in just over a minute uh, and we should mention the Neander goal which is just like that's like a kind of play that few guys in the league can make and he can make it. And you know what's interesting, James? And, and I, I thought this in the back of my mind, and it actually, I think, is true. Him and Tavares are really good four on four. I don't know why it is. It must just be the extra space for Tavares. But it's something like even that happened during the regular season. And, and obviously, it even happened in game four where they, they connected for a goal. But I looked and like Tavares had, was, it wasn't a lot of points, but he was among the league leaders in four on four points. It's like, for some reason, that it just seems to work for him and Neander. Well, you could and see even Riley. The- yeah. Yeah, as soon as they went to four and four, it's like, oh, okay, here we go. Like the, that extra space just opened up so much for. I think it's that Tavares, especially. I mean, he's a guy that's so good from like the hash marks down, right? Like he's just so good in that that small space of ice that if you open up some more lanes, and then obviously like Nylander's, Nylander's got great vision as well, and and a great shot. That's that's an unbelievable play, and he finishes with a goal and two assists in their the biggest game of the year. Yep. Like that that's why like when there's all this agitation and I get it like he he does stuff where you're just like no nah, man come on like but that's why you you I don't know if put up with it is the right way to put it but that's why well, the play you're, that, yeah did you see the play where everyone's all over Nylander for game 4 yes. he, he doesn't go in the corner for the puck I mean the t- they're they're down 5 nothing the game is over you know I, I understand the sentiment but <laughs> you needed him to not have his head caved in to make the play he did in game five. So, I, you know, I, I thought that in, in game five, Nylander, he was excellent. He was he was probably their best skater. And you could see it early in the game. Like, he was engaged. He was going into battles. I thought he played really, really well all the way through. He did. And, and obviously, their best player, I don't even think it's a question, was Matthews. Uh, he plays 23-41. He, I, had, I had Jack Campbell as your best player, to be honest with you. Okay, you can, you can. That's fair. I would say it's Matthews, just because that line was really the catalyst for for changing the game. I think obviously they had tied the score, but they really started to come offensively, and and he was at the center of it, especially with his physicality. Um, yeah, so, seven so, seven hits. Did you so, look up if that was a career high for him? No, I I forgot to. I was so annoyed with myself. Anyway. I I bet you that it was. I mean, I, I I've seen him have games where he's you know three or four, and the thing too. I mean, we've talked about this a little bit, but Matthews' his physicality in general as a player has ramped up a lot, a lot the last couple of years, and especially this season. And he's so strong and so good on his skates. And it was interesting. Did you? Keith said after the game, I believe it was I believe it was Keith that said that on the bench the Leafs were talking about. They could see that the lightning were were tired, that they were laboring, that they were slowing down, that they had them, you know. And it was for the first time that 
we saw so often during the regular season what the Leafs would would have games like this where they would just control long moments and get so much time in the and take advantage of those miscues like they did on the goal that Matthews ended up scoring. But in this series, Tampa's done a really good job of holding that version of the Leafs kind of in check for long stretches. So it was, it was honestly, it was a, it was a fantastic game to watch. You know, I had, you know, like my, my, my dad's not a Leafs fan. He was texting me. He's like, what a game. And, you know, like it was just it, one of the best games I've seen in the last couple of years, just with the drama and what was at stake and the way that the, the game turned in the middle of it and. The Leafs are really, really lucky that they were only down 2 nothing after the first period because it could have been 3 nothing, It could have been 4 nothing, And the fact that they got out of that period 2 nothing, and and were, that's enough of a gap where you can come back from that. Well, and if, if, if you want to argue that Campbell was their best player, that would be why. He made a number of like really, really important stops to, to keep it at 2-1, two, two keep it at whatever... You you go throughout the game at certain points where he just makes a save. I mean, even before Matthews scores that goal, I think he made consecutive saves on on Stamkos and Kucherov, like really good saves. What about the breakaway where Riley turns it over? And I think it was Paul that went in on loan on him. And it's like, oh, man, here it is. And then just like he had so many big saves. Yes. but, But so Matthews finishes with 13 shot attempts, seven hits. He wins 11 of 18 draws and he scores the winner. Now that winner is more about, well, I wouldn't say more because Matthews does make, does actually track back and turn the puck over in the neutral zone. And then that instigates the rush with Marner. But the the heads up play of Marner to, to shoot it off the pads, knowing Matthews is there and there's only one D back like that's, he's just like his, his hockey IQ is just like, I don't know what percentile you want to put it in for the NHL. Like that's just a brilliant play. I can't remember who said it, but one of the one of the Leafs said something like they they play that game in practice where they play like the Tavares watched them. Yeah, we've watched them do that so many times in practice where they it's like a bunch of usually a bunch of forwards, a bunch of skaters around the goalie, and they're kind of they're trying to get a rebound, and then the other player scores on the rebound, and that's kind of what do they do they call it rebounds or something it's like called that? Rebound. It's like, there's there's <laughs> It's a good name for it. It's actually funny. There's a, a really there's a group that always plays it. Like there's some guys who don't play, but the group that plays it is basically Marner, Matthews, uh, Riley, Brody, Muzzin, Tavares. Like there's a, a really there's a bunting, and they they really get into it. And like you'll you'll look after practice. I mean you've seen, and they're just laughing and getting on each other. Kerfoot's in there, loud I don't know, cheering. It's, and, it's just yeah. yeah, it's a funny thing that. It, it's such a, it's such a tradition that they have, and like other teams do it. But so in the playoffs, to score a big goal off of you know the little game they play after practice is 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 interesting, especially in in such a moment that just that just felt like such a dramatic moment. And I know we're only it's only game five; they they still need to beat Tampa in another game. We're gonna obviously talk about that, but they just the leafs needed this game like i th- i said to you before the game if they lose game 5 i really don't think they're going to be able to come back in 6 and 7 well that's i mean like i hate to keep harping on it but that's like that's why you have stars like that's what that's what this team is basically built on like those guys doing that in a big moment and i just don't know that that, that had happened previously like in any of these playoff runs where it was like maybe it has and maybe that's recency bias but it especially the last couple of years, they haven't had that. And I don't know that they've had a game, honestly, 
obviously a game of that magnitude where all of those guys were impact players, where it was Tavares, Marner, Matthews, and Neander all making like a really serious dent in the same game. You know what it reminded me of? Remember that crazy comeback they had against Columbus? Weren't they down three nothing or three one or something like that? Yeah, and they stormed and that's like back late in the net, game. Right? That's yeah. it, it was it was like that. Yeah, they had the net, they had the goalie out, they were gonna be eliminated. It was but this is th- see, I would see say this is this is different and this is more consequential because like this is not Columbus. And now granted, like yep. You know what I mean? Like th- that, that there's this, more pressure in this one, Jonas. There's way like more it's, pressure. Yeah, you know, it's two years later. It's been you add in two more postseason failures going into this one. This team is better. They're playing a much more difficult opponent. There's there's a lot at stake for the franchise that that wasn't there two years ago. Well, and if if James, like another playoff goes by and you don't get that from your stars, like at some point you have to start wondering, wondering like what 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 does that mean? What do you do about that? Yeah, I uh, think if they would have played brutally through this whole game and then lost in game six in Tampa, all of the conversation around the team would be which one of the stars or multiples are, are they going to move to change the mix on this team? Like that, It just would have been. It would have to be. And like I, I am not, I believe that it, it can be um, easy just to say like blow it up, blah, blah, blah. But at some point, like if the same thing keeps happening again and again and again and again, like you you can't keep doing the same thing. But so that's why this game was so important and why those guys coming up when they did. And really, like to go back to Campbell James, like it was it was going to be interesting, I thought, to see how he responded to the previous game where he gives up five. It's not really on like it's not really on him. He gets pulled. But you wondered, like, how was he going to respond? And then early in that game, it's like, uh oh, is he? Like is he all right? Like because a couple, at least one of those goals, the first uh, goal wasn't wasn't great. was not great. That's the short side from Stamkos. Mm, yes. Yeah, that was not great. Like that. The other one was like through like eighteen guys. So like I don't know how he's like that one. A lot of goalies aren't going to be able to save that second one. But uh, actually, I'm thinking this. I was thinking the Headman one, but there's one angle on the Headman goal where it's like. Uh, but anyway, like and then for him to kind of turn his game around and perform like he did, that's like one of the questions we had, maybe the biggest question we had going into the playoffs was like, can this guy win them a game? I mean, I think you even mentioned that maybe to me in conversation, like they're going to need Campbell to win their game. No, you said they're, I think you actually did say before the game, they're going to need Matthews and Marner to win them a game. I think we actually have that in our chat. Yeah. Well, you can, you can just tweet that out and show everyone that, yeah, I knew what I was talking about. I mean, I, I th- yeah, they they needed them. I didn't know if it was going to be this one or going to be the next one, or but they they needed those guys to really pull them through. But it wasn't just them. Like Riley had a good game. Nylander had a good game. Tavares played well. I mean, if you look at all the underlying numbers and everything, I don't. I wish I wish I had it just for the last forty minutes of the game because I'm sure it's just incredibly lopsided. The number of leaps that didn't have, yeah, the fourth line only played like six minutes, but you, I noticed them when they were out there. Blackwell you know who, was, yeah, you Kasha, know who also had a good game? Spezza. Okay, so th- so I'm glad you mentioned Blackwell. I thought Blackwell was like really important early in the game because he he seemed like the one guy who who was who had energy and who was kind of making things happen in his limited he looked shifts. Fast. He looked yeah. fast. He didn't look scared. Like he drew. I think he drew a penalty at one point. Um, I thought Mark Giordano had a really 
important game. And again, like the expected goals king finishes at 75%. Is that where we're calling Mark Giordano now? What? Like that's what he was. Wasn't that what he was forever in Calgary? Yes. And now like it's just the same thing just keeps happening. Where he's had like, some tough games and tough moments in this series, so you know, but he has particularly early in the series when it was him and Lilgren, which is why they well, changed and course. All the attention around Justin Hall, and he also had he had a really, really solid game 72% expected goals. Well, there was there's some big penalty kills there were. It's, it's just, I mean, you know, I Sheldon Keefe struck the right note after the game when he said, you know, this could be a turning point game for us if we win another one, you know, like it, this, this, it's the same thing with the Columbus game is like that game only really matters if you win the series, that, that crazy comeback. Like yes. I think we, we, we wrote after that game, like, uh, you know, the greatest comeback in franchise history and no one remembers or talks about that game and, and what they did. It, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You lost to Columbus. No. And that's, and that's, you know, they're going to need to do this again. Like they're they're going to need their stars to deliver again. Yeah. Like you can't just do it like you're saying. You can't just do it once. And Tampa's honestly, been so impressive too. Like honestly, like I feel like it sounds stupid, but I feel like maybe I underrated them a little bit coming into this series because you know I thought they were going to be a little bit diminished not having <clears throat> you know that that third line that was such an engine for them in the playoffs last year. But the guys they added are good, and they just. They're just relentless, and they have so many good players. There's well, so much talent on the, the ice all the time. The top of their defense is just ridiculous, and they play those guys a lot. Like, Hedman played 26 minutes in Game 5. It's so hard for them to to make an impact, for the Leafs to make an impact on the game when Hedman's on the ice. And he's, like, always on the ice, and if he's not on the ice, McDonough's on the ice. Like McDonough It's like plays. they try and get the puck in, and Hedman gets it, and he's huge, and he's a great skater, and he makes a great pass, and the puck's gone the other way, like, every time. I don't, Hedman's like, I don't know. I didn't see what it was last night, but his like possession numbers and expected goals and that for the series going into game five were outrageously good. Yes. I think it was like in the sixties. Yeah. And that's like with the toughest matchups, like playing a lot of minutes, you know, the toughest matchups playing like 28 minutes a game and you're just completely dominating. Like it's, it's going to be hard to win a series when, when the other team has that and the Leafs don't have a weapon like that. So the other part of this game, um, that's a small part of the game, depending on how much you want to quantify it, but both Spezza or Spezza, Matthews and, and Tavares mentioned Spezza and the the talk that he basically gave the team during the intermission. I mean, it's funny, like Bob Makowitz, uh, our buddy, Matt, if you don't listen to the Mako and Cause podcast, you should. Uh, he texted me this morning. He said like, this was kind of everything... Kyle Dubas would have wanted for his team, like his stars delivering when it mattered. And Jason Spezza, the, the veteran he wanted to do this kind of stuff, doing that kind of stuff where like he he basically told the team, like, it's time to like turn it around. Like they can, the game isn't over. Uh, what did you make of of that? Like Spezza plays 550. Um, but he was that, good though. But that like, he, he was good and that matters. Like it does matter. Yeah. And Spezza's become someone you could see he gave a, a pep talk to to Jack Campbell during the game at a really key moment. And yeah. Spess is just one of those guys that is beloved by everyone on the team. Everyone respects him, even though his on-ice impact. I mean, he doesn't play the first two games of the series. He doesn't play a lot of minutes. It's not like he scored a big goal in this series. But he's the one 
you know, the guy who's, who, who, how many shifts did he have in the first period? Two? And then he gets up in the first intermission and he has the clout and the wherewithal and the mindset to say the things that need to be said. And then you get the players like Tavares. Nylander talked at length about Spezza after the game, Austin Matthews. And the thing that Nylander said was when, when Spezza speaks, you listen because of the respect they have for him. This might be the last run for Jason Spezza. I don't know if he's going to be back next year. I think he will. I think he's got enough to play one more year. But everyone in that dressing room, everyone in that dressing room knows that, you know, if this isn't his last year, the next year probably is. And there's not that many more chances. And this is a guy that just wants it so bad. And, you know, I, I think that sometimes it can be hard, I think, in the NHL to, to for the 24 and 25-year-old guys to realize that it can go fast and that you're not going to get that many opportunities to have a team this good in this kind of a position. Yeah. And that's that's that. I mean, Jason Spezza played on a team that was a really, really good Ottawa team that made it to Game Five of the Cup Final, and he's still, you know, thirty eight years old, searching for his first win. And that kind of what is that? Fifteen years ago? Oh seven. Yeah. Long time so yeah, ago. yeah. And and everyone was picking them to win that series against Anaheim, and and they got they I got mean, stomped pretty good. They had the best line in the league. What was I going to say about Spezza? Oh, you know what? You So, you know what I think the other part, James, is like it works because I think he has credibility with them. And I think part of that is is obviously his career, but he has relationships with like everyone. Like if you well, watch him at a practice, is- he talks to everyone. Like he, he makes an effort. One of the things I learned about him when I did some story on him at, at some point last year was like he'll go out on out for dinner on the road with the rookies like he'll make sure if guys don't have anywhere to go like they can come for dinner like he just he kind of brings everyone in and he's almost like a shadow captain in some ways like he's it's it's he doesn't wear a letter for them but he does a lot of the stuff like i know we make a big deal of like who wears a letter and who doesn't leadership group and all that stuff but like that's the reason part of the reason why you sign him is like for him to do that kind of stuff um in a big moment. And uh, and we've we saw them last year's playoffs and even like the one before that in Columbus we talked about it, I think last podcast where he fights Dean Kukin. Like there's just an element of something that he brings and that's why that's part of why and I think we even talked about it on the podcast why scratching him to start the series just uh, Yeah. I didn't get it. Like you're taking someone who's so so important that way out of the room. Yeah. I I don't say this lightly, but you know everyone we we make a big deal about how nice Jack Campbell is and the things that he says and but everyone you talk to about Jason Spezza and I've talked to lots of people around the league about it, they just say he's he's a he's a special person you know and I think that everyone in the Leafs organization feels that and I got an appreciation for it I mean ta- interviewing his dad last year during the playoffs is like okay you can see where where Jason Spezza gets it from you know he's just just raised in a in a way where you know, no matter how big of a star you are or how many games you've played or how many goals you've scored or how much money you have or any of that, that's just, that's not there. You know, and I I didn't fully appreciate it until he came to Toronto and you start talking to him a little bit and it's like, okay, this is pretty remarkable. And and that is something that's been so important on this Leafs team. So we should look ahead a, a little bit to game six then. I want to talk a little about, a little bit about a uh, story that you wrote on Kyle Dubas. Um, so game six will be in Tampa. One of the things I'm, I'm somewhat curious about is to see if they do anything 
different in terms of the way that they structure their lines, given that Tampa will control the matchups. We saw mm. the Matthews line really struggle with the the Sorelli Edmund challenge in Tampa. So I, I wonder a little bit whether you consider splitting up Matthews and Marner or because they were just so dominant in game five, you just say like, I, I can't break those guys up now in the most important game of the season. What do you think? It's tough because it's been such a challenge when they don't have the matchup for, there was a great stat I sent you before the game about Austin Matthews in on the road versus at home and just like how big of a difference it has been. So I think for them to eliminate Tampa and to win one of these games, they're going to need the star players to step up and do and be impactful again. And the Lightning have done such a good job of limiting them. Sorelli's been amazing. Hedman's been amazing. Um, you know, and and full credit I think to the Lightning and to to John Cooper for the how well they've been able to limit the Leafs players and how well they've been able to keep them off the score sheet for long stretches of, and not just that, but just. We talked about it on the last podcast after game four. The Leafs have been having a really hard time against uh, the Lightning forecheck. They've been having a really hard time getting those cycles and those long shifts in the offensive zone. Like game five was really one of the, felt like one of the first times in the series that the, the Leafs have been able to kind of exert their will over over the games. And, and that's really the way this team is built, that they're able to do that. So that's a long way of saying... I think what you need to do is you you almost have to go in with two game plans, I think, Jonas. And if it's not working for Matthews and Marner, I think you need to mix it up a little bit during the game. Yeah, maybe that's the way to go. See how, how things start and, and have it in your back pocket that if Matthews and Marner aren't, don't have anything going, that you do a little flip. And maybe you just put Neilander up with Bunting and Matthews and you put Tavares and Marner together and just try to put a little bit more pressure on Tampa. Because what you saw in the game, in game five, is the Matthews line just destroyed Stamkos and Kucherov, like destroyed them. Yeah. And and one thing, you know, like you you think about like the coaching in the series, like Cooper was doing, and he did this earlier in the series, he he would, he did smart things. Like he would kind of mix up his lines a little bit. Like he'd, he'd flip point around and like he'd kind of get it. So he, even if he couldn't get the exact matchup he wanted, he could at least get more players on the ice that he wanted. Uh, against Matthews and obviously Matthews was just too good and like that's that's really what the other part about this is like it's home ice is important and that's why it's important because you're able to dictate the matchups and they still have that advantage potentially for game seven but at some point like you just need your stars to win that matchup or win a shift like you don't necessarily need to to finish at 90 percent expected goals if you can score an important goal and like we saw that earlier in the series where Matthews and Marner didn't have like a ton going five on five, but they still scored four five on five goals in the first couple games. So mm-hmm. yeah, you need yeah you need them to break through. You yeah. need them to find find a way. You're playing against the best, some of the best defensive checking players in the league. The thing I was early in the game, I was watching. You know, Matthews was putting absolutely everything he could in the offensive zone, but Tampa's just got those those huge defensemen with long sticks who are so smart and it's like there's just no room for him to operate and Matthews can normally Matthews can normally make something out of nothing in the offensive zone but it's so hard to do against Tampa you know so they almost needed to get that goal in transition like to have a have the turnover and have it go the other way because once you're in zone against them it's really really difficult to 
to make the kind of th- plays happen that Marner and Matthews did so often during the regular season. That's James, like you've hit on it. That's literally how they've scored. I think four of of the five on five goals that they've scored that line. I think almost all of them, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, all but one came in transition or off a forced turnover. That's like that's the only way it seems like you're going to be able to score against Tampa just because they are what you're talking about. Like they're just so big, and like if you have to kind of slug it out against them. I mean, the smallest defenseman on their team is Zach Bogosian. So what are you supposed to do? I thought I thought Bogosian played well. I mean, I... He did. He was an expected you know. goals monster in that game. <laughs> right. I think he led the team, didn't he? But yeah, he, he just, did. A lot of smart blocks, a lot of good positioning. I don't even know how many minutes he played, but he was noticeable in that game. I have not had a chance to read your Duba story yet. So can you take me through it? Essentially, the premise is the reason I wrote it, and I know I think most people probably wait till the series is over to write about Dubas, but today is the four-year anniversary of him being named GM. When he was 32 years old, I'm sure you remember it well, uh, Brendan Shanahan made the somewhat surprising decision. The Leafs were coming off a 105-point regular season. They had just lost in Game 7 to the Bruins for the first time. Uh, They let Lou Lamorello go, and they put a first-time GM in charge of this team four years ago, today, May 11th. Um, so what I wanted to do was kind of just look at that four-year tenure and the moment that they're at right now. And it's all been kind of, you think of, of kind of the mistakes and the misfires that have happened with the front office. And basically what I argue in the piece is there have been fewer of those as they've gone along. The team has gotten better, especially the last two years. The only... T- the only team in the NHL with more regulation wins than the Leafs the last two years is Colorado. They've really built themselves over the, la- in the over the last two years into one of the best four or five teams in the NHL. And I think that, you know, at some point, you, you know, at the end of the first period, Jonas, the Leafs play terribly. And I go on Twitter and the number one trending topic in Canada is Kyle Dubas. And if you looked at any of that, and I don't, it's kind of a cesspool in there, but it was all these people saying, fire Kyle Dubas over and over and over again. And it's just interesting that over, uh, while acknowledging that there have been some mistakes, this front office and this GM have gotten them to this point where they're one win away from where they have been trying to get for a long, long time. Well, and the it's roster a- is is all his fingerprints. Like you can say like he didn't draft the star guys, but like he signed them and kept them and didn't trade them and, I mean, go down the roster: Hall, Muzzin, Blackwell, Kerfoot. Like they're, and they're it's the entire roster except for Riley, Matthews, Marner, and Elander. Mm-hmm. Which but, I, you know, but, those, but James, those are like key pieces. But he could have traded any one of those guys if he wanted to. Well, and I think a lot of other general managers would have traded one of those players. You know, either either during the contract dispute or after a playoff failure. I mean, there was certainly a lot of pressure to do so, and it's premature, I think, to say they've won the day. For sure it but is. You don't win in game five. You don't win in game five. So they haven't really accomplished. Unless you win 4-1, but yeah. They haven't accomplished what they set out to do. But the point of the piece was really that I think that Kyle Dubas has learned over that four-year tenure and become a better GM. And maybe that's one of the downsides to hiring someone so young with the level of experience that he had four years ago. But it seems like he's getting better and better. The team's getting better and better. And it's put them in a in a good spot here where they need to win one of the next two games to eliminate 
the defending champs. Well, James, it also turns out experience doesn't necessarily mean you're good at your job. Do you think it's like a good <laughs> idea that a GM just fires a coach without talking to anybody about it or or not, not just a coach, but like maybe one of the five best coaches? Do you think that's a good idea? Is that something you think you should do? Well, no. there's not a lot of optimism in Long Island right now. And so, you know, I think that... At least they have a good farm system. Oh, no. Well, you know, the first yeah. year after the change happened, you know, the Islanders go to the Final Four and, and the Leafs lose... In, GM of the in, year. ...in big disappointment. And, you know, the hot takes start to come out. But I think that, you know, Brent, I always remember Brendan Shanahan said, you know, they were kind of asking him about the decision. And, and he basically said, I was in the room when you know, all these conversations and all these decisions. This is a paraphrase, all these decisions. Do you remember that, Jonas? What he And it just stands out in my mind because basically Brendan Shannon was saying, I know everything that was said behind the scenes. And basically, he was saying without saying it that, you know, the, the mistakes that were made in building those teams four years ago, those Leafs teams that didn't succeed, he knows who was on which side of which argument and he knows how it played out. And like signing Zaitsev, signing Marlowe, those kinds yes, of things? Okay. Yes. Those, those, decisions that went against them he knows who was advocating for that and who was advocating against that and that led into the decision to to do what they did we'll see we'll see if the leafs turn back into a pumpkin here or not but sure i just think that kyle dubas has accomplished something over the last two years that this franchise hasn't accomplished in decades well when it was two nothing james like i wrote in my notes we're gonna find out like what this team is all about and and we like it's one game, but they showed something that we had not seen from them. Um, so let's take a break and then let's get a little bit into the pod bag. Okay, James, I am staring right now before we do the podcast at, I think it's a, it's a chocolate almond uh, croissant and a butter sounds tart he- and a butter tart healthy. from Mabel's, which is one okay. of my favorite bakeries. They make really good bread. There's multiple locations. So once we're done with this podcast, I am going to down one of those, maybe both. Maybe I'll take, can I take it to the airport? Yeah, right? (laughs) I don't know. Is it a liquid bagel (laughs) or Danish or whatever you said it was? I always forget what like butter tart. Anyway, uh, so a reminder, support your local restaurants. There's nothing better than ordering like a pizza when you watch the game. That's I think that's what I'm going to do when I get to Tampa is get myself some more pizza. I didn't get pizza last time, so that's my plan. So you think maybe that'll change the the fortunes of the the Leafs if you change it up? No, actually, that did not cross my mind. I do not connect those two <laughs> things together. I remember being young and like thinking like what I did like mattered and like you know you had to like wear the same jersey and do those kinds of things. And turns out it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's 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 fun being a fan though. Sure it is. Um, so the the question that we 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 have eighty questions, so we're not going to be able to get out to all of these. Obviously, the 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 passion hashtag passion is very very high right now. So um, the number one question that people want us to answer in terms of people, you know, I, I always look at the ones that people are voting up and everything. Uh, Zach wants to know our thoughts on the John Cooper quotes that come out post game after the Leafs win a game. Do you have any thoughts on that? Which one? Well, just the it. People are reading the Cooper quote that he's being dismissive and saying that he said something to the effect of, uh, we're giving it to them. They're not necessarily like taking it from us, something along those lines. Honestly, I think it's smart. <laughs> like, why not just like plan a little bit of a, 
I mean, they won back-to-back cups. Like, they know the pressure is all on Toronto. Why not do anything you can to kind of needle them? Because you know what? You know how this works. He knows Here, exactly what he... Go ahead. Cooper said, we're not really making them earn it. We're kind of giving it to them. Yeah. Which it, the fan base, the Leafs fan base is just like... Like, I tweeted that out because I was watching Cooper's press conference and it went completely bananas. Like, it's got like thousands of responses and it's got just got like almost 300 quote tweets with people like making like Leafs fans hated that comment and they I don't know I was watching it live and it's gamesmanship I have no problem with that like why wouldn't you do that because now what's going to happen is some reporter is going to go to Sheldon Keefe or go to the players and say hey John Cooper says they're giving you these games what do you think and like suddenly like maybe maybe it does nothing like the, the, the chances are are likelier than not that it has no effect but maybe it plants like a little bit of a something and that's all you're hoping for if you're Cooper. Like, what do you care? Cooper's explanation was kind of like some of the penalties that, that the Lightning took, some of the turnovers that they had. That's what you know coaches that. do anyway. Like, that's not, I don't know. I don't find that that unusual. Coaches do that well, all the he, time. Keith does that all the time too. He's viewing it from the perspective of his team where it's, he didn't like some of what they gave up there. I mean, Tampa didn't play very well at the end of that game. I mean, we can say all the nice things we want about they. They did look tired. They did look they were they were the second best team for the last half of that game. So, as a coach, he's frustrated that he feels like his team didn't play to its potential. That's that's how coaching goes generally. Part of what I was thinking watching the second half of that game, Jonas, is that like at their best, the Leafs are the better team. They just we haven't seen it in every game and every moment of this series, but we saw it in game five. Well, their top end talent is just like a little better. Like Matthews and Marner are the prime of their career. If they play. Yeah, but Kucherov is like. Yeah, but like, like, it's a little different. Like I know those guys have the record for sure. Like those guys have been unbelievable in the playoffs, but Matthews and Marner were just two of the 10 best players in the league during the regular season, weren't they? Like Matthews was the best player in the league. Well, Matthews had one of the best goal scoring seasons in NHL history. If you right. adjust so, like, for your era and everything, if I mean, that guy shows up and like that guy makes a difference on the game, like that's that's your advantage if you're the Leafs. And if Campbell plays better than Vasilevsky, which he did over the back half of that game, he has over the series. I mean, that, I, that's going to be if if the Leafs end up winning the series, that's going to be probably the number one takeaway is that if Campbell outplays Vasilevsky, because no one was predicting that coming into the series. Next question. <laughs> I thought you would say something. No. Uh, Jason says, how many more intermission speeches does Jason Spezza have left in him? I don't think he's going to run out of them. I think that that's just his personality. And Agreed. I think they're coming from the heart. It's not like a calculated thing. Agreed. Taylor R. wants to know, how much of tonight's win would you say was a product of Keefe getting to dictate the matchups on home ice? Part of it, for sure. He wants to know how much. Well, much I can <laughs> here I can show you in the numbers. I mean... Sorelli did end up seeing Matthews a little bit. Like he, it was about four forty-six for five-on-five time against Matthews. Uh, Matthews in that line won those shifts. But the the number one matchup, actually the two matchups that that Keith was able to establish was Matthews the Matthews line against Stamkos. And in those minutes, the Leafs won like ninety percent of the expected goals. And the other one is they got them on the ice against the Tampa third line, and the Leafs won those minutes as well. So instead of having to play point all ga- or point Sorelli and Kalorin all game, suddenly they're facing Nick Paul and Brandon Hagel and Stamkos. Yeah, it, yeah that, and that it, third line is not the same as it was last year for Tampa. And I think that that's a vulnerability on on this team. One of the it's few young, vulnerabilities. Like, it's young, yeah. man. Like all those guys, like Paul, Hagel, Ross Colton, they're all really young. Like they're not 
as established as those, as those other guys were. And they've had good moments in the series, and but it's a lot to ask of them to go up against the Matthews line. Well, and there were lots of points in that game, James, where like you could see that Keith was avoiding the matchup when he could. Like Tampa would put Sorelli, the Sorelli line out for a draw, and Keith would put Tavares, which meant that the next time, the next literally the next shift, he could just put Matthews on the ice. And there were like opportunities where it was like, okay, are they going to put the Matthews line out? Like there was a TV timeout. Like, why wouldn't you put your best line on the ice? And and Cooper was basically saying, go for it, play them against Sorelli. And Keith was like, nah, I'm good. And that, that has an impact. Like home ice matters. Like it's funny. Like there's sometimes a narrative in hockey that eh, it doesn't matter. Home ice is the same. It's it it matters. It absolutely matters in the playoffs, especially statistically. Like it, you know, I know Dom and some of the other analytics folks have looked at it. Statistically, home ice is really only an advantage of I think a couple percentage points, but it is an advantage. I just think that when you're in a series like this and you have these, it's two great teams and and hard to break through. Then. All of a sudden, that advantage, that two percent advantage, matters a lot. Yeah. Uh, Alan wants to know: Will Game Six finally be the big game? The Leafs start on time and play a sixty-minute game. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about the positives with the Leafs, but the first twenty minutes was so god awful that you know, after the game, Josh Joshua Cloak, who writes the report cards for us, he's like, "What grade do I give them? Given you given the way the first period went?" And I was like, "I think you give them an A, just because they won the game, and that's what matters." But they basically got an F in the first period. Yeah, I mean, you'd like to see them come out and dictate the game, right? Or and at that- least play to a draw, or at least like don't just like face plant. Like they were, they were awful. I'm not exaggerating by saying they could have been down three nothing or four nothing in that first period. Well, I think they had like only like two shots or something through the first eleven minutes. I think they only had two five on five shots in the period. Like they had nothing going on. They were outshot fourteen to four in the period, and like I think that was like. A bit flattering, given how poorly they played. Well, and that was with power plays. Like, how many yeah. power plays did they have in the first? Actually, they only and one. Had... The power play was brutal. Yeah, they had two power plays. Yeah, the power play was brutal too. I mean, and the power play had struggled. I, mean, I tweeted in the first period, like they were down to like ten percent at five on four in the series early in the first period. Like, that's a big weapon to take away from the Leafs. They had the best power play in the league, and then all of a sudden, I mean, ten percent is is awful. It's worse than what they were in the power play in the series last year against Montreal. Yeah, and you look ahead to, to Game Six, James. That's they're going to have to figure something out on their power play because it 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 almost cost them that game or helped yeah. to cost them that game. Yeah, it it, it yeah it, it looked like it was going to cost them the series, really. Yeah. Especially because Tampa is now has scored a bun, a bit on their power play with yeah. all the penalties that the Leafs are taking. It was almost like I said to uh, Dom was in the press box sitting next to me, and it was like everything that they talked about before the game, have a good start, don't take penalties. Um, There was something else. Like everything that they talked about doing, they did not do. So anyway, I mean, good luck predicting what... That's a good question from Alan, but I don't know what they're going to do in game six. I mean, I I still think this series is going to go seven games. I really do. Well, that'll be fun. (laughs) For me, it will be not as much. I think it'll be obviously anxious for fans. It is fun. I mean, I the, going to those game sevens in Boston. There's like some of my best memories covering. I mean, there's three of them. I have such great memories. I remember you and I we were in that Airbnb that one year, and it was like pouring rain, and we were doing a podcast, and like I was sick, and like, but like the games were, were amazing. You should have been wearing a mask. Well, this is like 
I'm just kidding. Or whatever it is. What's the next question? Let's see here. Getting some repetition. Uh, Curtis wants to know, neither team has lost two straight games in this series. Is that a product of how even these teams are? The coaching adjustments? The losing team having more fight the next game? Any reason for why this might be? I mean, I think I, this is a close series. There's two really good teams. I think you are seeing a lot of coaching adjustments, which they're obviously not telling us what they are. Uh, I imagine Cooper's going to adjust a lot based on what his team did over the last 30, 40 minutes of the game. I, it was, I thought it was pretty interesting the Leafs were saying there was a fatigue factor there. That hasn't been – I mean, we're getting later in the series. The Lightning have a few older players that they're leaning on. I don't know. I mean – They've played so much hockey the last two years. Maybe there's an advantage that the Leafs can find there. Well, and and I think the thing is, like, when you're playing defense all the time, that gets tiring. And that's something, like, Keith talked about going into that game is, like, he was talking about the Matthews line is part of it, like, if they can start playing offense more and not have to be going out there to defend shift after shift after shift, they're going to generate more and they're going to wear down Tampa's D. And that's... What happened? Uh, Graham says the penalty calls are getting out of hand on both sides. It's almost getting boring to watch a game comprised of mostly special teams. Do you have any insight into the team's attitudes towards this, given they can't say a word? Otherwise, they'll, they'll get fined $25,000. Um, I don't. I find that, that NHL fans complain every year about the whistles going away and about it, people letting everything go and not letting the stars play and... I think it's actually kind of admirable that the NHL. St- I mean, are they getting every call right? No, is that that's not really a standard that I think that the officials in the league are going to be able to hit. I didn't think the officiating was bad in Game Five. I think I think they made a lot of a lot of good calls. To be honest, I mean, no one ever says that about the about their referees. I find I I just find that the standard that people want the officials to hit is 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 impossible. I'm with you. I'm looking at the penalties in my notes. I don't I don't think. There was a problem. You you can't have it both ways. You can't get mad at the officials for not calling enough, and then when they call enough, say, "Well, you're calling too much." Like, what? Like, that's not fair. Like, what do you want? Either you you're good with them calling nothing, and then you don't get to complain that that something's been not being called, or they call it like they've called it, and they've called penalties. Like, they're I'm calling lo- when the stick's up in the hands, and they've been calling that since game one. And the Leafs haven't adjusted. They're still doing it over and over again. They're still getting that stick up into. I was talking to a friend of mine about this, and he's like, "Why do they? Why that's not a penalty?" And I was like, "If you watch the NHL this season, that's the number one thing that they've cracked down on across the league. They have called that if your if your stick touches the gloves, the the hook gets up into the gloves, that's a penalty." Le- How many of those have the Leafs taken in this series? It's like five, six, so many of them. Yeah, I'm just looking at game like game five, like the Bro- Brody hooked. Nick Paul, that was a penalty, and it's like it was like way up in his hands, like that that they're just going to call that. Muzzin got one of those in game four, I think. Yeah, the Neilander, that was a hold. And there was, uh, what was the other one here? Well, Giordano, people didn't like Giordano with knocking down, uh, I can't remember who it was, for, and it became a five on three. Yeah. That was maybe the most borderline call. Oh, but I that one was still, borderline. I still think that's a penalty, though. He still did cross-check him, didn't he? Like He did He did push him down to the ice. I mean, I, I understand that it's a battle and you know, maybe the, the the player didn't have the best footing and and it puts you down five on three, right? So like but I, I see the league trying to to make more calls and they I'm sure the league can see the benefits of the the league was more higher scoring this year. They had all they had these huge performances from from star players like like Matthews and 
look how many points McDavid had. And I'm sure they see that and they're like, we want the game to like open up a little bit more. And I'm sure they're telling the officials to call more. And that's what we're seeing. Yeah. But even the coaches are surprised. John Cooper said after the game, like there have been so many, there have been so many. And that's part of, I thought it was interesting uh, before the game, Sheldon Keefe was explaining, he was getting a lot of questions about Justin Hall because of, you know, he was explaining that, it doesn't make sense to play Lilgren because Justin Hall is one of our best penalty killers, and so much of this series has been played on special teams, and that that's played out the last two games. I mean, even though they lost Game Four and didn't play very well, Justin Hall was good, and he was wow. especially good on the on the penalty kill. And the numbers for Giordano Lilgren were awful, and the numbers for Hall and Giordano are quite good. So all of a sudden, you're getting more out of Giordano. This idea that Justin Hall is the problem on with the Leafs, it, it's it doesn't hold up if you watch. He did not have a good start to the season, but if you if you really look at what Justin Hall has done since the beginning of January, he's yes. been totally fine. Yes. He's been totally fine. I, I think there's something where there's always a Leaf defenseman who kind of becomes, what is it, a whipping if, boy? If you want to pick on anybody, it should be Labushkin, should be the one that, that yes. people go after. But, they, but, but, but you know, the, the subset of fans that is in, in media and everything that are trying to crush Justin Hall, they like Lapushkin because of the physicality and the other things that he brings. Because you can see it. So much of what Hall does, like it, it you, you have to be really paying attention to notice it. Otherwise, it just kind of happens, and that's that. Anyway, a couple more questions, James. Ooh, yeah, I'm going to let you answer it. Yeah, I'm going to let you answer this one. Uh, Greg says there's a lot of talk about Tampa attacking the Leafs' weaknesses, like the fourth line and, and things like that. Uh, how do you think the Leafs are attacking the Lightning? Are they? Uh, he says, I'm not good at noticing the, the matchups. How should they? What do you see about the way that Keefe is trying to counter? I mean, we talked about it a little bit with Matt getting Matthews out there against like the the, the Hagel and, and Colt line, but do you see some other things? I mean, the, the defense is huge. Like getting your star players away from Hedman is like, <laughs> that's certainly an adjustment you want to make. Well, and they were able to do that more, again, with home ice. Like the defenseman that Matthews played the most against was Chernak, and the number two defenseman he played the most against, five on five, was McDonough. Now, like McDonough's awesome. But if you I thought, can, you know who I thought looked vulnerable in that game was Sergachev. Like you could see the mistakes, you could see people being able to make offensive play. I mean, Sergachev's a good player, but, you know, he's not headman. And, and the Leafs were able to find some, some lanes to the net when he was out there that they weren't getting otherwise. Yeah, so so that that's something for sure. Uh, I think that the Stamkos Matthews matchup is is consequential because the Leafs have won those matchups, and obviously they won't have that advantage likely in Game Six. But if there's a Game Seven, that's something that you want to pick on. Like they've destroyed that line, so that's something. And th- and I did I did think like the num- it doesn't show in the numbers, but I thought their fourth line was really important. Like I mentioned Blackwell before. But their fourth line had a couple shifts early in that game where they started to build some energy and get something going. Like you you just waited for some sort of moment where it's like, this is gonna be the thing that gets them going. And I thought Blackwell and Blackwell especially really provided something. I thought I thought Kasha played well too. I thought he brought a lot of energy and Yeah, he was, he was I mean, part he, of that one shift where where they really established something in the offensive zone and he was just yes. like tenacious. Yeah, and that's he, what he's he good was at. Really, he was really putting. I mean, he's a good player. If they can get even him at like eighty percent on the fourth line, like the lineup the way it is now with with Bunting, I think looking a little bit better. 
uh, playing through whatever injury he's playing through. Kasha getting more up to speed. Blackwell has has moments where he uses his speed and his physicality really well. All of a sudden, the fourth line has an identity, and they play really, really. You know, they're, they're making an impact. Whereas you have Simmons out there or Clifford out there, it's just they're they're not going to do that. I should add, James, while we're on the topic of bunting, nominated for the Calder Trophy. Rightly so. I wonder if he's going to win. I think that's going to be... That's going to be... My guess is he doesn't win, but it's going to be close. He ended up second on my ballot behind Cider. I believe that is where I had him as well, yeah. Great year. And Zegris had a great year as well. Yeah, I think I had him third. Zegris is going to be a superstar. It's just, you know, he's, he doesn't have a lot of help in Anaheim right now. MM wants to know, as a media member, is Cooper's temperament as different from other coaches in person as it seems on the screen? Is he trying to play mind games or is he just overly smug when he goes on those beautifully worded tangents? I really like John Cooper. I got to be honest. Like, I remember when he was first named Lightning Coach, I was down there on a Leafs trip. I got to have a beer with him and I didn't really know him as a, but I just, I have a lot of time for him and. I think that he's I don't think he's being disingenuous. I just think he's a he's a really bright guy. He's you know, well, he's a trained lawyer. He's and and I think he just he's not afraid to break from hockey orthodoxy and just like talk about things in a little bit different way. And as a media member, I, li- I like listening to him. Yeah, the lawyer part is important. Like you can just tell he's used to kind of talking. Wasn't he a professor at one point or am I thinking of someone else? He, uh, I believe he was like a lacrosse coach and worked at a university. So yeah, he probably was teaching there as well. I mean, and John Cooper's a BC guy too. So, you know, he's from Prince George, which is not that far from where I'm from. And I just, I find him to be a really interesting personality in the league. And I think if he was on like a, a team in a more traditional market, I think that, I think people would have a better appreciation and understanding for for the, the the good parts of his personality and who he is. It's just, he's like the enemy right now because some of these like sound bites are coming out. If you listen to the full quote, the one that I tweeted, the full quote, was he was talking about how his team gave it to the Leafs and that they took dumb penalties and like some of the things that they did. He wasn't, I don't think it was as big of a shot at the Leafs as, as some people are making it out to be. All right. <laughs> I mean, so many of the questions, Jonas, are about like, why can that, this team not show up and play well in the first period? I mean, I think they were intimidated by the moment in game five, don't you? Yeah, it's like I said, like until you, you show yourself that you can actually do it, I think that kicks in. I, I, I wonder if it changes now. Like, I wonder if we see something different from them in game six. Like, I wonder if we just see them come out and dominate game six. Just, just based on like getting over that hump in game five. If something changes, like in I, their, their I feel DNA. like we've said that before, and like yeah, but none of those other series like are the same. Like I don't know, like they, actually the series didn't go this way. Like they were up three one on Montreal. You know what I mean? Like they were kind of on their. I guess they had won three straight, but this Leafs team is like Forrest Gump says with chocolates. So you never know what you're going to get. So I'm not going to make a prediction about how they're going to start Game Six because who knows. I mean, they could, and the thing too is, Jonas, they could lose game six lopsidedly and then play great in game seven. I mean, I good luck predicting what's going to come next. Indeedy. All right, James, that is all we have time for today. Thanks for all the questions, everybody. Sorry we couldn't get to more of them. It's it, it's tough to, we're, we're, we're getting a lot of, um, it's it, the, the, the passion level and the interest level has been amazing. We 
weren't sure if we were going to do a podcast after every game, but the response and the number of people listening. And I've been getting, if you look at the comments and, and, and things on social media, Jonas, people are thanking us for doing these. So I'm glad that we decided to do it. Maybe we'll regret it if we end up having to do <laughs> two months of these, but um, but it's it's been a lot of fun so far. And thank you to listening, or thank you to listening. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it. And uh, if you want to sign up for The Athletic and you haven't yet, just go to theathletic.com slash leaf report and check it out. So game six is on, what day is today, James? Tim says Wednesday? Today is Wednesday, yeah. So game six is on Thursday. So we will chat Friday. All right. Safe travels, Jonas. Make sure you get some time in the sun down there. Oh, don't worry. I will. I got to just make sure I wear sunscreen. Yes, you do. It's hot. Goodbye, James. <laughs>